Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. From baseball's top personalities. The Hall of Famer, one of the great TV broadcasters, Bob Costas is here on A's Cast Live. To the A's legendary players. Five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, Mark McGuire is with us here. You never know what stories you're going to hear. We used to come out here to lunch and run with our shirts off. (laughs) (laughs) You would say. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. We got a lot of great broadcasters for you on this one. Brian Kenny from MLB Network, also from MLB Network. Steven Nelson, who's also doing the play-by-play for Apple TV. Dan Schulman, one of the great voices in our game. And a Hall of Famer, Ford C. Frick Award winner, Eric Nadell. Now that is a list right there that Commander Cody can be proud about we'll start with our friend bk from mlb network well you know what a big fan we are of mlb network it is the channel that we all love and brian kenny is the main host of mlb network and he joins us now here on a's cast so bk i was giving this elaborate this whole introduction for you mlb network showtime the whole deal then i realized you weren't with us yet, so I just want to know I had a huge buildup for you again. <laughs> I believe you. I'll take your word for it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you guys are going to have, and I talked about uh, MLB now, and we also talked about uh, Thursday, you're going to have the Jays and the Yankees. And the Jays now, as they're growing up, they've been doing well against the Yankees. Yeah, look, they're, I mean, they're a quality team. And it, it, the more you watch them now, especially with you know some of the additions that they've made, uh, it had so much firepower last year. They they kind of weren't as good as their firepower last year. Do you know what I mean? Their production is so tremendous, uh, and yet they were. They, you could tell by their run differential was better than their win loss record. This year, I think that's kind of evening out, and they're a powerhouse. When you look at what's going on with the A's and the Rays, I know two organizations that you have followed because of just all the years, the way the game has changed. The A's were at the forefront. We all live the Moneyball era. We now know your affinity for, for, for the Rays. What's it like when you watch A's Rays? Um, well, look, it's been exciting the last few years. Maybe we got spoiled. You know, it's it's funny. We um, because not only were they able to compete these last few years, but they were excelling. Uh, again, you know, I pointed out the, the A's were winning not 90 games a year. Like that, that's kind of the marker, right? Like, oh, they're winning 90 games. Yeah. They're winning 97 a year. And, you know, now that they're trading off and they're now they're doing a, the rebuild or the retrench, whatever it would be, um, it's, you know, it takes a little bit out of that. But the last few years, it's been remarkable what they've been able to do with their payroll. And I'll give you a perfect example. I just looked briefly at the payrolls this year. And in the second division, basically, you know, teams 16 through 30 in payroll, I really only see three teams that can make the playoffs. So money makes a big difference. And I think the last few years, the fact that the Rays are winning divisions, that the A's are winning 97 a year, has kind of obscured that that it's, you know, you really do need to make at least like mid-level money in your payroll to be able to compete for a championship. And so what the A's and Rays have done the last few years is, is truly amazing. If you were running the A's right now and you had Frankie Montas sitting there, and obviously there were rumors about the Chicago White Sox, but would you be looking to deal him now or would you wait more towards the deadline where you could get more teams involved and more teams fighting over him? Well, yeah, that's the that's the, the craft of it. Right. And the, and then the experience that you have, um, I would think you'd get more now. You get more starts out of the guy now. And, and teams will always say that if you can move before the deadline, you should be able to get a better you know, trade value. On the other hand, what you're saying is also true that uh, you'll have teams that are a little more determined right around the trade deadline, especially this year with another team in each league making the playoffs. 
I think we're going to have a bunch of middle-class teams that um, were not as anxious or uh, aggressive that are going to jump in there knowing that one or two players can make a big difference in getting from, you know, 81 wins to 87, which is likely what it'll take to make the playoffs. You know, right now in your neck of the woods, obviously we know with Aaron Judge and turning down the extension, I know Bieber has talked about, oh, I'd love to stay in Cleveland. Well, what else is a guy going to say when, when he's asked about an extension? We had to deal with that with Matt Chapman. We knew Chapman was telling us one thing, but he and Boris were going to do the other. Like, what is really the best way to handle this as a player when you have to say the right things or you're just going to get killed in the media? Yeah, you have to play that game. And uh, look, it takes two to tango. You know, today on MLB Now, we spoke to Alex Anthopoulos. And one of my questions was, you know, regarding Freddie Freeman. I think they made a great move in trading for Matt Olson and getting Olson in there when they realized it was unlikely to get Freeman. And yet, like, what happened? You know, what happened? For whatever reason, some something wasn't communicated or the negotiations just took on a life of their own. And even though Freeman didn't it, – it, Look, Freeman didn't break the bank, you know, as compared to the type of player that he is, and yet they were unable to make that deal. So you just have to say, look, I'm I'm open to to staying. I'd love to stay. It's got to be a competitive offer. And again, players have to wait six years to get that shot. So they've earned that shot, and I don't think we should ever hold it against them. And the, the it's up to the team to come out and make a competitive offer. I thought the Yankees offer was actually quite good. Um, is it top of the line? No, you know, Mookie Betts and Mike Trout make a little bit more, but judge is going to be 31 when he starts that deal. So I thought it was, I thought it was a good deal. You know, they didn't come up short 30 million a year for seven. Doesn't isn't short. It's just, it's almost laughable when you hear uh, 230 million. Yeah. I'm not signing that. Yeah. I understand. You know what it is? I, I like, I understand it. I think you do, too, yeah. right? Like, you, you're you comparing yourself to your peers. Uh, but you also do have to keep an eye on uh, comparing yourself to the American standard of living. That, you know, in, and GMs now have this advantage that the industry is so rich, so lucrative, that you can just wow a guy with money. Whereas even, you know, free agency, late 70s, early 80s, um, you were offering real money, but it wasn't making a guy super rich. It was making him, you know, pretty fluid, very affluent, but not rich. When you're talking thirty million a year, as compared to the American standard of living, no, you're rich, and so you have that advantage. And yet, players still compare themselves to their peers and think, "Wait, he's making thirty-four point five. I'm making thirty. Why is that?" Well, that's where I want to know behind the scenes. Are you saying forget Bob Costas and Greg Amsinger? I'm Brian Kenny. I need to get paid. That's right. <laughs> well, that's it. Look, uh, no matter what, like when I think of I, realistically, I think of the money I'm making now. And I would, if you had told me that when I was first a sportscaster in 1986, I would think I'd be well. I'm, I, you know, I'm on my yacht and I'm, I've got my, uh, you know, my, my my ponies out in the yard and I've got my racehorses and everything. And no, whatever you you make, you know, you get used to it and you spend. Um, and as much as we look at it and go 30 million a year, what do you do with that money? No, you're you're rich, but you'll figure out something to do with that money. And there there are very few guys who make that money. So they are entitled. You know, I've told you I tape the show every single week, and we haven't been able to watch it because when it came on here, we are getting ready for our show. But I'm sure when I watch later on today, uh, you guys will talk about the double play that ended in Texas between the Rockies and the Rangers. Uh, what was your guys' take on that today? Well, we were in uh, vehement disagreement. I, I You, know, you, I and, you out, and Dan I, O'Dowd? I, I, yeah, Dan wow. O'Dowd. Dan O'Dowd, uh, actually, let me try to get this right. Dan O'Dowd said, I hate the rule. I think it was a good call. I say, I love the rule, and I think it was the wrong call. <laughs> so we were in exact disagreement. I, I, I'll throw out one thing. For those who are saying, well, you know, he has to keep his foot on the bag, that's not true. You have to attempt to keep your foot on the bag. So if you come off the bag and you happen to be off to the side, that still could be a legal slide. It, it's open to some interpretation. I, I'll tell you my gut reaction, and I'm very sensitive to this. I've been pushing for this rule for years, two decades. I thought this, you know, it, to take a guy out and try to hurt a guy on second base is, is absurd. What are we doing? It's not, you know, the rough and tumble 19th century. And yet, 
uh, I was surprised when that was the call yesterday. I didn't think it should be called. I, and yeah, it's kind of like nitpicking. Letter of the law, did he move to the right a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, but I thought he was within his rights. And if you go in hard straight into the bag and you don't veer, like don't find the guy. You know, if the, if the infielder is looking to move one way or another, if you go to find him, you stay with him and he can't avoid you and you hurt him, then obviously that's what the rule is all about. That's wrong. That's against the rule. I didn't think Garver did that at all. I thought he went in hard a little to the right and then he rolled up a, a little bit. I was, I was surprised it was called. Dan O'Dowd thought you have to call that. It's an easy call. Well, I'll tell you an easy call. I was watching MLB Central this morning, and they were showing, I can't remember what year it was, but it's Yankees-Royals, Hal McRae in the ALCS uh, going into Willie Rand. I think it was Willie Randolph. I mean, well, I think it was 78, I think it was. They, they showed that highlight. I'm like, oh, my God, what the game used to be to where it is today? Wow. Yeah, I, and I know we show that all the time, and that's like the, that. that's also – egregious even back then it was crazy <laughs> and i'm against that i think everyone can look at that and say all right we don't want that and yet i think the key word to use is the word that they use at the plate for the collision rule egregious and I, you kind of know it when you see it as a you know supreme court justice once said you know do you roll out of the way to try to hurt this guy did you go to try to find him to crush him and if you just go in, you should be able to go straight into the bag as hard as you want. And if that guy's standing there and you break his leg, you break his leg. That guy's got to get out of your way. But you can't go and veer, as they say, that's part of the rules, veer and find the guy. And I think we'll know when it's there. I think if we look to see, let's, let's not eliminate every collision on the field. Let's eliminate the egregious collisions. You know, I asked David Forrest yesterday on this program about the amount of positions that we have on the roster, and he talked about how they fought so long for 26. We're going to start with 28. But now with the way that we're not getting a whole lot of innings out of starters and pitchers are getting hurt, I know there's still what we're going through with the labor negotiations. We just had COVID. But do you think like around 28 at some point will be around the number for roster spots? That seems to make sense. I think there also needs to be a rule, and there is a rule now this year. I think it'll start in May, like right around May 2nd, I think, uh, that you have a limit on pitchers as well. Yeah. And I think from there you deal with it. Um, look, And the, the better teams, the smarter teams, the A's, the Rays, the Dodgers, Yankees, they've been at the forefront of using their AAA shuttle, move, you know, optioning guys, moving them up and down, try to maximize the players that you can use. And I knew this was coming. I wrote it in my book years ago when I wrote a chapter on bullpenning. And I said, look, they're going to come up with rules to stop this. So do it now. Bullpen now because they're going to come up with rules to stop it. And now they are. And I think 28 makes sense. Um, you know, you want to make them play within the same rules. You want a few guys on the bench and you don't want guys to get hurt. Um, but maybe if you have fewer pitchers, perhaps we'll get out of this, you know, max effort sort of um, dynamic that we're in, that guys are, everybody's trying to throw 97 and up and, you know, only pitch for an inning and two thirds. That's where we're at now. Well, obviously we've had overreaction to start the year, right? We have all these opinions and, oh my God, we're three, four games in, but on your way out, I would love one big, bad, bold prediction for the 2022 season. Look into the Brian Kinney uh, crystal ball. What do you see? One bold prediction. Oh, you're killing me. Let me see. Let me see. Because you are the professor. Mean you mean team-wise? I'll tell you one thing I'd like to see right. this year. This year. No, no, we're not going to have it. But I think at the start of next year, how about that? Pitch clock. I think we're all ready for the pitch clock. I think it's finally kind of turning the corner where we see it will help. It'll trim a half hour off games off the top right away. Half hour, dead time, gone. I'd like to see that. Well, as someone that books in a broadcast for 162 games, I'm all for it. You'll love it. Oh. Have you seen it in the minor leagues? In the minor leagues, every, and the players like it. Managers like it. Everybody likes it. And pitchers can't recover as well. I get it. But that doesn't mean they're getting hurt. It means you have to work 
faster like they did in like 1957. It can be physically done. Well, I got to tell you, your show, like I hate during spring training when they put games on, like I don't need to see the Cardinals and the Yankees from Florida. I want MLB now. Your show is so good. We we take, we steal from your show all the time. I got to tell you, it's fabulous. The research that you guys I'm, I'm, have. I'm honored that you steal from the show. I'm honored. So I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I tell everybody that comes on from MLB, uh, from MLB Network how much we love them. You, by far, are our favorite. What you do is second to none. Your guys' show and what you do, even as a host with all the guys on uh, on a nightly basis. But uh, you are the king, my man, of MLB Network. We, we love having you on the program. It's always an honor. No, thank you so much. I'm very kind of you, and I'd love to do it again. I'll, I'll have a better uh, bold prediction for you. Maybe that <laughs> Stephen Kwan never strikes out all year, something like that. He's a Bay Area kid. It's amazing. I'd love to see more players like that. I'll throw in one more thing. Like, everybody wants to ban the shift. If, if, if it's all Stephen Kwan's coming up, you don't have to ban the shift. But we don't like guys. We say we love guys 5'9", 170 that can play Major League Baseball. No, we don't. Uh, if we ban the shift, we're protecting the big lumbering slugger, not guys like Stephen Kwan. Hey, our good friend Bob Melvin once said, if you shifted against Ichiro, he'd hit 800. Yeah, exactly. Don't we want to see more of those players? Exactly. No doubt. Hey, Brian, thank you for the time. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. We will. Thank you so much. Take care. The great Brian Kenny. From one MLB Network broadcaster to another, Stephen Nelson is a host for MLB Network and also does play-by-play for Apple TV. He was at the Coliseum on site on the field. Here's our conversation with him. Hey, it is Chris Townsend. Nice Steven, to meet you. Nice to meet you, You've Chris. been on the program before. Yes, it's been, I mean, it's like in person now. You have to reintroduce yourself. We're not 2D boxes anymore, right? What do you think about the set here of Ace Cast Live? I, the fact that it's down on the field. I haven't been in the Coliseum in, gosh, maybe 12 years. I came as a fan. I sat, sat up there. It was open up. Mount Davis? Mount Davis. <laughs> I sat up there, and it was awesome. So it was, it was cool being back. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, you're in it. Yeah. You're in it, and, the, yeah. and you're bringing the fans in with you. Yeah. So no matter what you know, what we do with streaming and radio and everything, and now with video, it's uh, it, it, it's been a great project that we have going here. Yeah. And you know, the thing about you know when we hear Apple TV, I know a yeah. lot of people. You know, in our neck of the woods, I live like five minutes from the Apple complex, <laughs> so yeah. it's not scary for us, <laughs> uh, Silicon Valley. But for a lot of people, it's like it makes you feel a little better when you know they farmed it out to MLB Network. Hmm. Yeah, no, look, I, I think um, it's been it's a process, one, two, but there are a lot of folks, like hundreds upon hundreds of people working between Apple here in NorCal and then New Jersey where MLB Network is based. And I think Apple kind of said, hey, this is what you do. Yeah. You live and breathe baseball. You are the experts, and we're going to ride with you. We want to put our, our fresh spin on things. Definitely we want to zig a little bit when this is a sport that – as we both know, it uh, prefers the zag, and uh, but um, I like that. I'm a big proponent of just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. All right, so he's being nice about it. I'll tell you the real. Yeah, hit they, me. they're fitting the bill. They don't know how to do it, so they're going to pay, and they've got all the money in the world, so they're no. going to pay MLB Network to do it. But in the end, they need content on Apple Plus because a lot of us are paying monthly, sure. so we're a content I, provider for Apple. And I, I do love that for the first half, I believe, of the season, it is going to be free. And so yeah. this is for not just the traditional diehard fan who is in the weeds and you know knows everything that there is to know about their favorite teams. It's about the casual fan who maybe just finished binging Ted Lasso or finishing <laughs> watching Coda and says, hey, oh, there's a baseball game on. Yeah. I like baseball. I don't know a ton about it, but like, let's, yeah. let's tune in and see what it's about. So I think that's kind of another objective here as, uh, as we start out in this new project. So – it wasn't the last time you were on. It was the time before you were taking over Intentional Talk. Oh, boy, and yeah. when you think about, you know, we, a lot of us, we, we love MLB now. We love High Heat. We, you know, us baseball dorks are like the baseball shows. But if there was ever a show that would say, like, crossover that you could put on ESPN2 or mm. that just not baseball fans would like, yeah. 
it's intentional talk. And I think about Millar, you, just Rosie, talk about yeah. the experience, what, what, what it's been like, because it is the most popular show of all the baseball shows. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I'll have to get your Venmo in a second, and I can send you the bill, or you can send me the bill for how much I owe you for, for the compliment. We but, promote you all the time. And, and I, I, I tell you, I can't say thank you enough. <laughs> Look, all, all credit seriously goes to 1-5 and Rosie. Kevin Millar and Chris Rose – they had a brotherhood for more than a decade that predated the show, going back to when Rose was doing Best Damn Sports Show on Fox Sports. And they brought that friendship to television, and then they forged a bond with baseball fans. And so for me, I, my only job is to kind of double-dutch this thing, continue to have fun, and kind of carry on the legacy that they built together. I, I, I cannot ever replace Rosie, I mean, that that is always going to be his chair in my estimation. Um, so I just have to try and be me and continue to have fun. And you're right, we aren't getting in the weeds like BK on MLB Now, which has a has a special place in the game. To be sure, I'm not throwing any shade at analytics or the you know the rise of information that we live in. We just had BK on, and I tell him every time I steal from you a lot. He, he makes fans <laughs> smarter. There's no question. I would never tell him that to his face because I don't. I don't need him walking around like. No, but I, I think for for us, it, it's it's just about the human side of the game. I yeah. mean, as you as y'all are down here, you get to see them up close. You get to meet them. You get to learn about their journeys, their past to the big leagues. What makes them tick their interest just as dudes and I think that's certainly something that I've always gravitated towards that 1-5 does and that IT fans do as well so it's a lot of fun you are very humble and I appreciate that but you're also very good at what you do and as you mentioned have I've known Rose for years because I also worked in the NFL for years with the Raiders and he you know first you know as you mentioned best damn sports show on fox sports for all those years yeah. but the fact that you were able to step in the way you did and the show rolls on and been watching you at mlb network for for a while you've done a great job uh, thank you so much uh, you you that means you have not been looking at my mentions on the old bird app every day uh, because it, it's it's gotten ugly over the past year and a half so no in seriousness it means a lot and uh, again it's just a it's a show about baseball. It's supposed to be fun, and I'm certainly having fun with Kevin. It, it hardly feels like work. I mean, you know oh, Millar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. You're just holding on for dear life with that one, and it's, uh, it's, it's great. I think about Hunter Pence. You know, Hunter Pence, when he was leaving the Giants, I actually yeah. did. There's two competing stations. I used to work for one of them. I did his last interview on the way out of here in San Francisco. It's been a while since I talked to him. But I, it, what, what's great about the broadcast tonight from his standpoint is – obviously just played with the Rangers. Mm -hmm. And then I think about, like, he knows Elvis, played with Elvis. So he's a guy who just played who I think can give us a lot of insight on all these players. He knows so many of these guys. Uh, for sure. And I, I think, honestly, that's been a huge a mission for our family at we Network is, hey, we need some younger energy. You know, guys who were just in the game who can – they still have relationships. They still know what it's like to play in this new era of baseball. And HP, I mean, he is – I think he's maybe done a handful of games total in the booth. You would not know listening to Hunter. And, I mean, you've, you've talked to him over the years. Yeah. He's, he's incredibly energetic and bright and fun to be around. But he's also a guy – like, he's not just the quirky dude. He ran hitters meetings. He knows this game. And so it's been awesome getting to know him over the last few weeks and – I think these next couple weeks for him are, are special for sure. Just being back in the Bay, we'll be in San Francisco next week for the game against the Nationals on Friday. And so him just walking through the clubhouses or through the ballparks, everybody knows him and remembers him because he kind of leaves that mark on everybody. So I, I just try and ride his coattails a little bit. Yeah. If I stand next to Hunter, then maybe folks will be like, oh, you're okay. <laughs> the, the, the Hunter Pence effect, as yeah, they like totally, to say around totally. here. Totally. He, he, he was just an all-star with the Rangers when you think about I, I it. I know. And, and I, I, we'll get into that as this game goes on too because, you know, he's born and raised North Texas. You yeah. Know? He, he, Arlington's his spot. Yeah, yeah, it's his spot. Now that being said, he he is like fully adopted West Coast living here. So, oh, the scooter thing in San I Francisco. Mean, Trust us, Ace fans. We've had to, we've had to hear all about it. <laughs> oh, is, has he scooter, come on today? His scooter, Where is he? Do you remember his scooter was stolen? Yes. Are you guys gonna get it? We had to hear all about that. Yeah. 
Um, Police so, are looking for the scooter. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was just the, my, honestly like I I cared less about the, the starting pitching matchup is special by the way. Two high school teammates, yeah, towing up against each other in the show like the, how rare that would be. But I I was like Woody, you just got to give me Hunter Penn stories. That's really all. <laughs> yeah. That's really all I want today. Like tell me how weird this guy is. Uh, how about the green and gold? We we left spring training going. Uh oh, we yeah. didn't know right. Mm -hmm. It was. You know, I, I was there the day Manaya got traded. Not only, I mean, you can't make this up. Manaya gets traded to the Padres <laughs> and then pitches against <laughs> us in spring training. Like, come on, man. I mean, this is such an A's thing. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, but here we are. We'll, we'll scoreboard watch. Uh, just a half game out in second place. I got a thing going with the fan base saying, hey, you know what? Why not us? Let's have some fun with this. And right now, you look, the A's, you may not love the names on the back of the jersey, but I'm telling you right now, this is not an easy team to beat. No, it's it's a ton of fight, ton of grit. I mean, that's something Cots preaches, right? He just wants you to grit, grind, fight, and compete, and that's what they do. But what I always say, like, I grew up a White Sox fan, but I, I have really come to adore Oakland A's baseball. And I would talk about this with Mark Cannon on MLB Network quite a bit, just the misfit magic of the Oakland A's. Just when you think that they're going to be a doormat, they're going to they're gonna ruin your day. And that's something James Caprillion told me at the end of spring training. We had him on MLB tonight, and I was like, hey, with everybody gone, the conversation's starting again. You are supposed to suck. You're not going to win any games. So is that chatter sparked any conversations in the clubhouse? And he goes, oh, we know what people are saying. We know what people are saying. We just have to focus on our brand of baseball, and we are going to ruin folks' days. Because if they want to come here and take us lightly, that's on them. And I do feel like that's going to be a thing here, especially in the first half, as fans outside – of ace country here, they will turn on and watch their team play Oakland, and they're not going to know anybody. They're going to learn quick. They're going to learn. They're going to learn Christian real quick. So uh, I'm I'm with you on that, um, and I think that's what's just what makes this team constantly special, no matter who is in the clubhouse. Thanks for stopping by, Johnny. Great, uh, great to work. do this in person. Yeah, man. you it's too. Great to have you on the set. So now you know when you come on Ace Cast. I, now you know we're going to be back here again. So I, I would like to make this a, a usual thing. Hey, no, trust me. Anytime you're in town, yeah. whatever you need. Okay, and, and I say Venmo because you you said some nice things, <laughs> and I that they, that's half the cost. Hey, forget about me. The ratings say everything you need to know. <laughs> I appreciate, it. fellas. Great to talk with Take you. Take care. Right, thanks, have a great Dan. broadcast. Well, whether we're talking about the playoffs and he's doing ESPN or we're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, one of our favorites, Dan Schulman, joins us, one of the top broadcasters in all of Major League Baseball. We always appreciate the time. How are you north of the border? I'm doing great, Chris. Thank you. How are you doing down there? We're, we're, we're doing fantastic. And before we start talking about the athletics and the Blue Jays, which all of a sudden has become an interesting series, just normalcy for you, for your broadcast partners, everybody for the Blue Jays, for the players, the front office, the fact that you're not starting in Florida, the fact that you're not playing in Buffalo, just, just how great is to start this season and it's more normal than ever. It's just fantastic. I mean, uh, again, in the grand scheme of things, there was much worse to deal with, and there is much worse to deal with uh, in the pandemic. But, you know, just in our little baseball corner of the world, you know, the Blue Jays uh, had to go through stuff that nobody else did. And the fan base went through stuff that nobody else did, right? Unable to see their team for almost two years. So uh, for, the, for the team to know they're in Toronto, for everybody to know it's a 162-game season, it's a good team, an exciting team. It could be a playoff team. Uh, you know, the, the crowds the first weekend were great. They averaged about 40,000 over the first three games. I'm not sure exactly what they'll have for this series against the A's, but uh, from the, you know, from the players to the fans and everybody in between, everybody's really excited. You know, we're getting our first look at it as we're going to find out which players we have are not vaccinated because they can't enter the country. Uh, obviously, we're going to have to call players up. And, you know, at some point, I think we're going to deal some real with some real high profile guys. Uh, what do you think that's going to be like for series and the media handling this? Because obviously this is something no one's ever seen before in Major yeah. League Baseball history. I think the media will handle it differently in the two countries, to be honest with you, and not to, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds here. But I had like 10 writers down in spring training, guys I've known forever, ask me about it. And I said, well, do you know there's a similar law about going into the U.S.? It, it, it exists for non-citizens in the U.S. It exists for everybody in Canada. And all 10 of them said, no, I didn't know that. 
And I said, like, you got to know that uh, you, you if you're going to, you know, if the law coming into Canada is a story, the law going into the U.S. has to be a story, too. That means if Guerrero or Guriel or Hernandez or Ryu or Kikuchi or Romano were not vaccinated, they couldn't cross the border and play in the U.S. Plus, it means that the Blue Jays can't even sign or trade for unvaccinated players. So. You know, in Canada, the whole notion of this is a competitive advantage for the Blue Jays, to be honest with you, doesn't fly so well up here uh, because of, you know, what the team went through the last couple of years and the fact that there is a similar law that exists about going into the United States. I'm sure it'll be a big, big story, especially, uh, you know, when the Red Sox and Yankees come, if they have unvaccinated players, if they are important players, I think that's when it really becomes a national story. Like, it'll be a story now. In, in A's country and maybe a little bit nationally in the U.S., but I, you know, there there are certain names that are rumored to be out there about guys who aren't vaccinated, and and you know when the Yankees and Red Sox come to town, that's when it may become a bigger story. Now going into the series, we we expected to talk glowingly about the Blue Jays. We know how good this team has truly become, and the kids have grown up, and it's uh it's time for the Blue Jays to compete for it all. No one thought the A's, though, would come in with a, a bunch of runs scored. Uh, the A's coming in with home runs. The A's coming in at bullpens pitch well. Some of the starters. Just how shocked are you? A lot of name changes. And, of course, you got our old guy, Matt Cha- Chapman. But how shocked are you, this A's club's uh, coming to town after taking three or four from uh, Tampa Bay? A little bit. I wouldn't say shocked. I mean, a little bit surprised, but it's a long season and, and, you know, things balance out. And listen, maybe they're better than people uh, thought they would be. But in a small sample size, any any baseball team can beat another baseball team. And I watched uh, about two and a half of the four games uh, between the A's uh, and the Rays, and, and they had good at-bats. And, and uh, they, they deserve to be where they are. They deserve to be four and three right now so I don't think the Blue Jays are taking them lightly at all they'll also see some pitchers they're not all that familiar with in certain cases I mean if you're the Blue Jays and you're you want to be as good as you think you are or you're going to be as good as you think you are you got to do well in this kind of a series you got to take two out of three you know the Blue Jays are coming in a little bit banged up they don't have Teoscar Hernandez they don't have Danny Jansen they don't have Nate Pearson they don't have Ryan Barucki uh, and they're using a spot starter tonight in Ross Stripling to kind of push Yunchin Ryu back a day. So they haven't had the cleanest first week of the season either. So I, I think this is going to be a very competitive series. Matt Chapman hasn't gotten off to a great start yet, but just how excited were you guys to get him from us? Uh, I think Blue Jays fans were really excited. You know, obviously the hole in the lineup was Marcus Simeon, right? So they lost uh, another guy you're very familiar with, obviously. So (laughs) they, you know, the Blue Jays lost an incredible player, an incredible player. Uh, I mean, he had a phenomenal year last year. Um, So to get Matt Chapman was great, but to ask Matt Chapman to do what Marcus Simeon did last year, offensively anyways, is, is, you know, a little bit unrealistic. Um, Obviously Chapman, a third baseman, Simeon, a second baseman, Chapman's defense speaks for itself. Um, Opening night, maybe it was just a little bit of a case of nerves. He didn't quite look like himself in the field, but he's been really good, and he'll be great. Nobody's worried about that. Offensively, again, nobody's expecting him to be Marcus Simeon. And I don't know that people are even expecting him to be 2018-2019 Matt Chapman. That would be great, absolutely great. But if he can hit 250, 30 homers, you know, walk a bunch, which he does, and just keep the strikeouts manageable, that's a very good player. Uh, and a player they need. And it also moves Kevin Vigio back to second, where he's more comfortable. Santiago Espinal can play anywhere, so he's over at second. He's happy. He's fine. Um, but they needed to get somebody. To be honest with you, I think they tried other guys first because they are a heavy, heavy right-handed lineup. Um, and I think they kicked the tires or did more than that on Corey Seager. Um, on, you know, there are Kyle Schwarber rumors. We know they were interested in Jose Ramirez, but they couldn't get a deal done with the Guardians. So, um, you know, Matt Chapman comes in here. Everybody's really excited. It helps them in some ways. It doesn't help them in other ways. But I think once he really gets acclimated, and he sure seems like he's having fun. You know, you see the games. Blue Jays are a fun group, you know, you're and, and he seems to have been accepted in instantly. So I'm sure he'll settle in, relax, and have a really nice season. Yeah, you think about exciting. Like last night, I'm sitting here, I'm ready to go. Yankees, Blue Jays. We had Brian Kinney on from MLB Network to promote the game. Uh, it was going to be a 4 o'clock start out here, and it was a rain delay, and I was bummed. I mean, I'm excited to see the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm thinking if I'm excited – 
And I and I think back, God, talk about another A. I, mean, I remember when Josh Donaldson got the most all-star votes out of anybody because he had an entire country behind him. You got a yep. country. Like, how excited is Canada? Just not Toronto, which is one of the great cities in, in our game, but just how excited is the country behind this fun team? Crazy excited. So I, I went on a, a little vacation. After college basketball season started, I had about one week before I had to go to spring training. So my wife and I went a little quick getaway, a little quick vacation, because that's about the only time we can do it. And there were a lot of Canadians where we were. We were down in the Bahamas. And there were a lot of Canadians. And, um, you know, they watched the Blue Jays. So people were saying, you know, hey, Dan, when are you going to spring training? They knew who I was, whatever. And they were from Edmonton. They were from Victoria. They were from Nova Scotia. They were from Brandon, Manitoba. They were from all over the country. And it's another thing that I don't know that, you know, people south of the border know uh, the full extent. I mean, you've just made a great case for it. But um, this team is national. More than any NHL team, because there are seven Canadian hockey teams in the NHL, and, yeah, the Leafs have fans out east and out west, but there are a lot of people who hate them, too, because they like Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, whatever. Um, the Raptors do have a very nice following, but it's more concentrated in and around Toronto. They have fans around the country, but not nearly to the extent that the Blue Jays do. And, you know, the reason I know that is I work for the company that televises all the games, and I get the emails with the ratings and all that, and I can see it. Like, the numbers are monster for this team when they are good from coast to coast to coast. And I can see it in, you know, Twitter messages I'm getting, whatever, however you want to look at it. So um, everybody is really, really excited. And um, I just hope that there are some ups and downs early in the season. People remember it's a long year. They've got a, a brutally tough schedule. They've got nothing but Yankees, Red Sox, and Astros coming up for three weeks after this series with Oakland. So, you know, they could wander out of that and be 12 and 14. Like, that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. But there's a lot of baseball left to be played. And everybody's going to fall back on what the Braves did last year in the regular season. Right. It's just, hey, get in and anything can happen. And the A's, we're starting on the East. It's like we're an East team. You know, you're in Philly, you're in Tampa, now <laughs> you're in Toronto. We've been seeing it and then watching the game last night. I got to just – the division, you throw in the Red Sox. I, I know everybody needs to, to get theirs and beat up on the Orioles, but just how exciting is the East going to be and how much fun it's going to be your job watching this? Yeah, same as last year, right? I mean, the Yankees and Red, the Rays, I think they won 100. They won it, but the Yankees and Red Sox each won 92 and the Blue Jays won 91. So the, the Blue Jays missed the playoffs by one game. Um, you know, and it went right down to the final day of the season. The Blue Jays did what they had to do. They swept the Orioles the last week of the season. But then the Red Sox were trailing the Nationals, but their game was running a little bit long. And about 20 minutes after the Blue Jay game ended, the Red Sox came back, took the lead from the Nationals, won the game, and the Blue Jays missed the playoffs. So I don't know if it can top last year. Um, certainly, you know, from a, from a, uh, an excitement and right down to the wire point of view, hopefully it's a different ending for, Blue Jay, for the Blue Jays and their fans. But the one one big nice thing is that there's one extra playoff spot this year. There, as you know, there are six in each league instead of five. That would have been enough to get them in last year. Hopefully, they don't need that to get in this year. But it's nice to know there's another spot. But you know what? Seattle's interesting, and and Minnesota, Cleveland are interesting. Like there's some teams in the other divisions that could be in the in the thick of it for a wild card spot. And because they play in easier divisions, you know, easier schedules. So. Um, nothing's going to come easy for any of these teams in the East this year. They're all going to have to play well to get there. Well, let's end on this. I saw this yesterday on MLB Network. Omar Minaya, longtime executive, is now uh, going to be a contributor on the network. And obviously, Vladimir Guerrero is someone he's known for a long time from their days in Montreal. So he's known Junior since he was a little kid. And they were talking about the two. And he says, yeah, I think Junior's going to be better than his dad. And last time I checked, his dad's got a plaque in Cooperstown and, tor <laughs> and tormented, tormented us for years down in Anaheim. Do, do, do you see that Junior could be better than dad? That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing to say that. He's only 23. Um, it's possible. He's a different kind of a player. Uh, you know, his dad, when he was down in Montreal, was a terrific right fielder with a cannon of an yeah. arm. By the time he got to the Angels, he had slowed down a lot defensively, obviously. You know, Vladdy is an infielder. He's a first baseman. But offensively, the kinds of numbers that, that he might put up could very well surpass his dad. And, and, and again, he's 23 years old. But in any year other than the Shohei Otani year, he wins the MVP last year. 
And I think he's better this year, just from watching him in the spring and watching him in the first week of the season. So, you know, let's see how it plays out. That's uh, that's a 15 year question, right? That's a, it's going to be a long time before we know the answer to that one. But I'll tell you, I've, I've been doing this a while and uh, they don't come around very often. Guys like him. I mean, what he did the other night at Yankee stadium with the three homers and the double and some of the pitches he hit out, he's not just talented and he's crazy talented, but he's smart and he's disciplined and he works hard and he's got a lot of things going for him. Always great to have you on the program. It's always an honor. Thank you so much for taking the time before the game and we'll talk to you soon and enjoy Jackie Robinson day. Enjoy this series. You got it. You as well. Yeah, as soon as he opens his mouth, you know exactly who that is. You've you've heard him do so many games. And then whenever the A's are in Texas or Texas is in town, Eric Nadell, got to get him on the program. He's a Hall of Famer, a Ford C. Frick Award winner right here on A's cast. Well, from one great broadcaster to another, we absolutely love the Hall of Famer. Eric Nadell from the Texas Rangers. It was like one of the things that was 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 terrible when, you know, COVID was going on. We didn't get to see the best of the best that would come in. And now he came back because Texas was one of the first teams to be back in business on the road. And it's great to have him on once again. How are you? It's been a while. Chris, we're doing great. It's nice to be back. Nice traveling, some normalcy back in there. You love, you love coming to the Bay Area? Absolutely. Last night was a little bit rough. You know, we played almost a four-hour game in Seattle, and it was a night game. So got to the hotel at 310 this morning. So that sort of thing used to happen a lot, but it rarely happens now. You almost always get a day game on getaway day. I guess Seattle is limited in the number of day games they're able to play. And since they weren't leaving town, they decided to play the game at night, so uh, our boys might be a, a little punchy today. Uh, they weren't too worried about your travel schedule, huh? <laughs> uh, not very much. No. Now, for all of our fans, they were watching the Warriors last night, beating the Nuggets in Game 3. I was paying attention to your guys' game as really a game you guys needed. You were down 5 nothing, came back and won the game. It's not the start you guys were looking for. What's the state of the Texas Rangers heading into this series? Well, they're scoring runs. You know, they're up among the league leaders in run scored, averaging, you know, over five a game. I think the league average now is right about four runs a game per team. Rangers are scoring over five. That's the good news. The bad news is they're allowing over six runs a game. And that's the story right now. The pitching has just been awful. Um, the starting rotation obviously doesn't have a lot of experience in it. And we figured that might be uh, iffy. We thought the bullpen would be solid. And basically, both have been pretty awful to this point in the season. Yeah, starters ERA. I had the starters ERA. I don't even know if you want me to bring it up. But Texas starters, what, 6.09. No one's going deep in games, but it's just a rough start. They haven't had a starter go beyond five innings. And only twice has the starter gone five in 12 games. I think they're averaging right about four innings per start. So obviously that puts a lot of stress on the bullpen, even with a couple of extra guys in it. And uh, it's it's been pretty ugly to begin the year. I'm trying to figure out, and I've been saying it, and you know how everybody around here is into analytics and everybody's going to tell you everything about how the data tells you everything to know. But I, to me, and you've been in this game a long time, you're one of the great voices. I just think this is the year where the rubber hits the road, where they'll make the excuse about a shortened spring training. But for you know, for a while now, they don't want starters to go deep. They don't want starters going through the lineup the third time. And I just don't think there's enough bullpen arms. And at some point, you're going to have go from 28 to 26. You can't be shuttling back to AAA as much as you used to. At some point, I think there's going to be certain teams going to implode. They're just not going to have enough arms. How do you th- what do you think about that? I agree. I think it'll probably happen. Um, it's probably a good thing that the expanded staffs in April are allowing teams to see some of these guys at the big league level who they otherwise wouldn't have seen, um, who will be some of the guys who get opportunities later on in the year. But, uh, yeah, clearly there's, there's a big strain on them. You, you mentioned that third time through the order thing. Um, Rangers are hoping they can get their starting pitchers to the point where that's the reason they take them out because it's the third time through yeah. the order. That that hasn't really been an issue that much for Chris Woodward. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, there, there's quite a few starters, and uh, the guy we got going tonight has had that problem also. Uh, you have one of our all-time favorites. You know, he is a Bay Area kid, grew up in San Francisco. He's a Cal Bear. 
He meant so much to this franchise when he came over in the trade from the White Sox. And I, I remember being down in San Diego at the winter meetings with him, and his wife was right there. And we were talking about him staying here long term. And she was like, yes, because she played volleyball at Cal. She's, she loves Northern California. But he's now signed long term with the Rangers. We're happy that he got that life-changing money. And uh, really, you know, Marcus is just a special person. So you've known him for a long time. What's it like now? Marcus Simeon, Texas Ranger. It's great. You know, he's taken the leadership role in the clubhouse. He spent some time in spring training with Adrian Beltre, talking specifically about being a leader on this team in the clubhouse. You know, unfortunately, he's gotten off to a slow start offensively. But, you know, it's two weeks. You know, any player will have a, a tough two-week streak during the course of a season. Unfortunately for him, it's been right at the beginning at a time when the pitching has been struggling and a couple of other guys haven't gotten off to great starts offensively. You know, Cole Calhoun is another guy they signed in the offseason, you know, to be a veteran leader, but also to drive in a whole lot of runs. And, you know, he didn't have an RBI until last night. And he had the game-winning hit in the ninth inning yesterday, and maybe that'll get Calhoun going. But the Rangers really need to get both of those guys going if the offense is going to click on all cylinders. And how about Corey Seager? He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's driving in runs. He's getting walked intentionally with the bases loaded. Wow. Um, it's exciting. Barry Bonds treatment. In, in the fourth inning. And we were just shocked when that happened. But it, it's so great to see Seeger and Simeon coming up every game back-to-back -back in the first inning. It's, you know, it really uh, puts a smile on your face uh, right at the beginning of the game. I mean, Joe Madden's got the cachet. He can get away with that. It was what Buck Walter did to Bonds way back in the day down there uh, in Arizona. But what did you say when that was going on? You're just like, because now you don't get the four wide ones. That's right. Like all of a sudden, were you just like, what is going on? Why is he running to first base? Yeah, we thought we'd missed something. Was, you know, <laughs> what, did we miss a catcher's interference or was there some kind of a balk where, no, no, the batter's going to first. It wasn't a balk. It was, so uh, we were just, we were really, really puzzled. I, when I saw the, you know, the highlight show, Quick Pitch on Emily Network, I'm just like, I just, I don't get it. I, some and, you know, I talked to Joe about it extensively the next day. And, you know, he basically was trying to prevent the big inning, which he didn't. All three base runners scored. Uh, he said, but Seager didn't score. It's true. Seager didn't score. So, you know, if he had let Seager bat and he got an extra base hit or a home run, you know, then that run would have scored too. But That's Joe, a glass half full way to look at it. And here's the other. <laughs> and the other thing is he also said, I was trying to fire up my team. I didn't like the way they were looking out there. And I thought maybe that would fire up the team. Well, I don't necessarily buy that. I think it confused his team more than anything else. But they came back and scored five runs in the next inning, and they won the game. So, uh, you know, tough to argue with Joe. And uh, in the end, they wound up winning the game. All right, tell me where you've heard this story. A's are good. A's got to pay guys or think they're going to have to pay guys. A's ship guys out. A's have new players. A lot of new players you haven't heard of. And all of a sudden, A's are respectable. Where have you seen this movie before? It's unbelievable. You know, I've always thought that that was the magic of Bob Melvin. That that was the reason that stuff kept happening over and over and over again. Well, here it's happening with Mark Kotze as the manager. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe Mark learned enough from Bob Melvin about how to handle situations like this. But, you know, it's early in the season. The A's haven't played within the division yet. You know, there's a there's a long way to go, but uh, you know it's nice that you know the, the team hasn't cratered the way all of the analysts have predicted that it would right from the start. Yeah, when we were down at spring training and you're walking through the A's clubhouse, you're like, I don't know. I mean, it was it, it Manaya then got traded, and it was already tough with Bassett and Chapman and Olson. But there is something to be said with Mark Kotze, who really is all of these guys they've used 35 guys 16 rookies and you've you've seen this in your time there's something to be said when the leader can really galvanize everybody and make everybody believe make everybody play for each other everybody pull on the same rope whatever cliche you want to use when a group is together they're tough to beat they are and you know the key is getting good starting pitching so that you're in every game and then you try and find a way, a way to win late which you know the a's have been playing some close games but uh, you know that's the key if the, if the starting pitching comes through it, you've got a chance of not being a really bad team what do you think of baseball so far this season we're not shocked batting averages are down we are shocked by home runs i don't know if it's the humidors i don't know if it's the weather I don't know 
What do you think about it? I don't know either, but clearly uh, offenses are, are struggling. You know, we don't know that much about it since the average Ranger game has been, you know, six and a half to five and a half and three and a half hours. You know, we've been kind of removed from that whole thing, but clearly the stats speak for themselves in that regard. Maybe it did have something to do with the shortened spring training. Uh, the fact that with the extra players on the pitching staff, you know, relievers are coming in, they're pitching more innings, they're obviously throwing harder. Maybe that's making it tougher on the hitters. Yeah, I just, I, for, for you guys and for your organization, I just hope sometime soon that the Rangers will be good and give the peak because the, the ballpark's going to bring people in because it looks beautiful on television. And the last time I was in Texas, it was just being built. I was over at Texas Live having some barbecue, but I can't wait to see it, and I just hope that the fans finally, you know, that perfect ballpark for them, and you put the right team in the right ballpark, boy, magic hits. Yeah, and, you know, they're they're going in the right direction. You know, signing Seager and Simeon Calhoun, John Gray, you know, they've taken steps toward respectability. They've got some really good young pitchers who probably will be here next year. I would imagine Jack Leiter. Likely will. Uh, Cole Wynn is their number two pitching prospect. Both of those guys will probably be here next year, which I think is one of the reasons the Rangers didn't go spend a whole lot of money on starting pitching this season. I don't think they really thought that they would contend seriously this year, but they want to play 500 or close to it. And again, if some young starting pitching comes through, they've got a chance to do that. But uh, waiting for the young guys to come up, that's, it's a hard thing to do. It's tough on the fans. And what makes the Rangers still scary, and we'll end on this, is they still have money to spend. As you said, they haven't spent it all yet, but they still have money to go. They have money to go, and, you know, last year we were the only team that was at full capacity right from the start of the season. So I think they were able to recover financially uh, better than a whole lot of other teams did. The Rangers led the major leagues in attendance last year, you know, largely because they were at full capacity from the time the season started. And they had a new stadium. They averaged about 28,000 per game, and I imagine you know, they'll be there this year or maybe even, maybe even higher as more and more people are willing to come out, you know, given the COVID situation. So uh, I think the team's on the right track. Most importantly, no matter what happens in this series, there's one thing that I know that will be big for you is getting your Chinese food in San Francisco. Henry Zunan, we're slated for tomorrow night. We've got some new media people traveling with the team, and uh, we're going we're gonna to take them to Henry Zunan tomorrow on Church Street and uh, get them indoctrinated. A San Francisco classic. We always appreciate the time. You're one of the greatest in our business. Thank you so much. Have a great call the next three days and enjoy San Francisco and uh, having that one Saturday night in the city. It'll be great. We'll be back in a month, too. We'll see you in a few weeks. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Well, that'll do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank Brian Kenny, Stephen Nelson, Dan Schulman, and Eric Nadell. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.